the Bible, there are four accounts of the life of Jesus that altogether are called the Gospel. And the Gospel of John begins by introducing Jesus as the Word of God. What does that mean for a person to be a word? Yeah, that's a great question. Let's check it out. So John's account has 21 chapters, and it begins with a carefully designed prologue that places Jesus' story in a cosmic context. It starts like this. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. That's how the story of the whole Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the skies and the land. Right. John is claiming that to really understand who Jesus is, you need to start way, way back in the beginning. And what was God doing in the beginning? He was speaking his creative word into the darkness. Words like, let there be light, let the dry land appear, let plants grow. Picture a king who can get things done just by speaking a word. That's how God speaks in Genesis 1, 10 times. And each word turns the dark chaos into an ordered cosmos that is full of life. Creation hears the word and obeys. Now, think about it. A person's word is their word because it embodies their thoughts. But as it goes out from them, it becomes separate. It's this idea that John explores next. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Notice how John has designed this opening statement. So the outer lines are about the word's eternal nature. He's from the beginning. And then the center lines are a claim about the word's identity. The word is both with God and is God. There are two and also one. Now, after these opening lines are six more paragraphs that are arranged in two matching groups. The first three tell the story of Jesus with imagery drawn from the scroll of Genesis. Creation began with God bringing light into darkness, and now, with the coming of Jesus, God's beginning a new creation. In him was life, and that life was the light of a humanity. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not overcome it. In the next paragraph, we meet a new character, John the Baptizer. Yeah, he was preparing Israel for something new that God was going to do by bearing witness to Jesus when he arrived. John came as a witness so he could bear witness to the light so that everyone could believe through him. After this, the third paragraph explores the choice people face when God's light enters the world through Jesus. Some choose to stay in the dark, but others enter the light and are recreated, reborn as new kinds of humans. Unto his own he came, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him he gave authority to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So these three paragraphs summarize the story of Jesus as God's word bringing light to the darkness. All imagery from Genesis. Right. And now watch. John will go back and retell the same story again, but this time with imagery taken from the scroll of Exodus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father. So the eternal word of God entered into creation by becoming a mortal human named... Jesus. And he dwelt among us? Yeah, the Greek word for dwelt is skenein. It means literally to live in a tent. John is comparing Jesus to the sacred tabernacle that Moses built at Mount Sinai, the place where God's glorious presence came to live and unite with his people. So Jesus is a human tabernacle? Yeah, he's the reality to which the tabernacle pointed, the place where God and humanity are united as one. Next, we get another mention of John the baptizer who's bearing witness to Jesus, saying, This is the one of whom I said, The one who comes after me actually precedes me, because he was 
long before me. After this, John tells about how he and his friends actually met Jesus, and how they made the choice to follow and trust him, and so were transformed by his light. From his fullness we all received grace upon grace. The Torah was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Messiah. John was an Israelite, part of the family, that received through Moses the generous gift of the Torah that shared God's word and wisdom. And now, through Jesus, John and his fellow Israelites have received the ultimate gift of God's truth and love, Jesus himself. And this time God's word isn't written. It's a person. Exactly. Now, to wrap things up, John concludes the prologue with words that echo the opening lines. No one has ever seen God, the one and only God who is in the lap of the Father. That one has made known. So, on the one hand, God is transcendent and above all, totally other. And if that were the end of the story, God would remain distant from us. But then John starts talking about this one and only God who's in the lap of the Father. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, remember in the prologue opening, John used the image of God and God's word. Now he uses another image of a father whose son is sitting really close. A king and his word, a father and his son, they're both ways of saying the same thing. Right. John wants to make clear that the Jesus he knew was both distinct from God and also God. And as God's word and son and light and glory, Jesus came to make known. Yeah, to make known what? Yeah, exactly. In Greek, John doesn't say. He actually leaves the sentence open. He forgot to finish the last sentence? No, it's on purpose. It's John's invitation to keep reading the story so you can discover for yourself what Jesus wants to make known to you. Ultimately, John sees the whole story of the Bible as an invitation to know and be known by the Father and the Son, who together are the one God. So hopefully you picked up on that. The word, God communicating to us. Now what does that mean? Well I wanna take us to Colossians and I wanna pick up where, I wanna pick up on a passage that Paul writes about. And this is where it's all going to come together. But Paul picks up on this same kind of thought in the first chapter of Colossians, starting in verse, uh, I'm gonna start in verse 13. And I want you to listen to, I want you to just lean into the words of what Paul's communicating to us as well, okay? And then we're gonna tie it all together. So Paul says this, and again, he's referring to Jesus. He's saying he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Do you get the similarity? He is the image of the visible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then he goes on to say this, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and what? For him. He is before all, and again, he's talking about Jesus here. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He goes on to say he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, 
by peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I have become its servant. Now Paul's saying this, this is the message. Paul's saying this is the message, this is the teaching. He says, I have become a servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to do what? To make God's message fully known. And this is what it is, the mystery. Paul's saying, I've been assigned to communicate to you just like Jesus was just like Jesus was God's word. Did you pick up on the, did you pick up on Tim Mackey talking about our word is our spirits talking? Did you pick up on that? So when I'm talking, I'm communicating Gale to you, right? That's what I'm communicating to you. When you communicate, you're communicating your thoughts, right? You're communicating things that you think. You, you're communicating your world philosophy, you're communicating your beliefs, you're communicating your convictions. It's you. Well, well, the way Tim Mackey, again, if you leaned into that, what he's saying is Jesus is literally communicating who? The spirit of who? God. It's God's word. So when we hear Jesus, when we listen to Jesus, we are literally hearing God speak to us. And Paul is saying, I am a servant of the gospel. I, God has given me by his administration to tell you about this Jesus. The first, and again, it goes back to the firstborn, the invisible. You know, he's sovereign. You, know, if you, you're, you can pick up on his, the attributes of God where he's talking about his sovereignty and all these things, providence. And, but then he says this. He says, the mystery hidden for ages... Paul's saying there's been a mystery that's been hidden for ages and it's now time to be revealed and God has made me a servant to reveal that to you and he says God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery and here it is. This is the mystery that's been hidden for, for ages and Paul was assigned to give it and the mystery is this which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Now, some of us may be saying, I don't know what that means. Let me explain to you what that means. If you picked up on the verse, he, a little bit, for, a little bit uh, back, uh, let me see where that's at. Verse um, 15, 19. Listen to this. I want you to pick up on this. It says this, for God was pleased to have, now, you gotta lean into this because this is huge. Paul is saying this is the mystery. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in who? Je A little bit more. Can we do that? In Jesus. God the Father was pleased to have the, his fullness dwell in him. Guys, Look, this is the time to celebrate because what Paul's telling us is this and Jesus dwells where? in us are we picking up on this? is anybody picking up on this? God himself was pleased to dwell in all of his fullness in his son Jesus and Paul is saying and now Jesus dwells in you which means, can we track it back? 
Here I am, here's Jesus, here's God. God dwelling in Jesus, now Jesus dwelling in me. We have the fullness of God dwelling in us. We're not gods. I'm not saying we're gods. I'm saying this is the hope of glory that Jesus, God himself, lives inside of us. He lives inside of you. If you have received his free gift of grace and salvation... It's not, it doesn't stop there. It's like, you know, holy hallelujah, I'm saved. I can just sit and, you know, enjoy life. No, you are now his word. Jesus was the word, the spoken word. Now you are his spoken word. Do you get that? We are his spoken word. We go out into the darkness. We share Jesus because Jesus dwells in us, the hope of our glory. Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola writes this, and I, I just, we're going to read it verbatim, and I, I just, to me it's just so exciting the way that he puts it. Listen to this. If you're not excited, you need to go home and get your, you need to get checked out, okay? You need to get checked out. This is what they're saying. This glorious, limitless, amazing, incredible, expansive, incomparable, marvelous, stunning, staggering, majestic, mighty, matchless, spectacular, outstanding, tremendous, immense, infinite, vast, grand, triumphant, victorious, precious, radiant, peerless, wonderful, magnificent Christ has, has chosen to place all his fullness where? Inside of you. Inside of you. How does that not get us excited? How does that not get us excited that Christ dwells inside of you if you've received his free gift of grace and salvation? What an incredible, amazing mystery. The hope of our glory that Paul's presenting us. The incarnate Christ living inside of us. We now, we now become the spoken word, right? Through our actions, through the way we conduct ourselves, as we surrender to the spirit of, of God living inside of us, he changes us, he molds us. We, Paul talks about this in what, Galatians, is it chapter five, six? Um, where he talks about the fruit of the spirit that manifests itself in us. We don't manifest it in us. As we surrender to the spirit of God living in us, he manifests his, his fruit in us. And we literally, when people are around us, they see, hopefully they see Jesus living inside of us. What an incredible and exciting message. As the worship team comes back, we're gonna close with one last song. But as I said, I hope and pray that you're excited this morning because you have, if you have his free gift of grace and salvation, you now have his presence literally living inside of you. And again, the way uh, Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola wrote in um, the uh, Jesus Manifesto, it, to me, it's just absolutely so exciting. How, how, we could sit here all day trying to think up of all kinds of adjectives to describe who Jesus is. I mean, couldn't we? I mean, we could just sit here all day describing who Jesus is, how we've encountered and experienced Jesus, how incredible he is. I mean, I, we can't even, it just, it just amazes me, but, but Jesus lives inside of each and every one of us. I tell you what, if we leave here in some melancholy, melancholy mood, something's off. Something is off. It's literally, I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. If you're a Christian, if you say you're a Christ follower, that means that Jesus lives inside of you. 
That means that God himself, his fullness lives inside of you, that he loves you, that he is there. And now we have this awesome privilege as he gifted us. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter two, as we receive gifts to do what? For his glory. So as we go into the world, we are able to share who Jesus is. It's not like a sell job. It's like we don't have to go sell it. We go and we communicate. They see how God has literally changed our lives has changed our lives. So I pray God has changed your life and I pray, you, I pray that you can understand the hope, of, uh, the hope of glory that lives inside of you and you can leave here dancing and, and just praising God and bringing him glory as we go out and allow him to continue to penetrate the darkness of this world. Would you stand with me? Let me close with a word of prayer and then we're gonna sing one last song. Father. I give you praise this morning for who you are. I give you praise that you're a God who loves us, that you're a God who don't, doesn't just say, you know what, figure it out. But instead, you're a God who became flesh. And what's really mind-boggling that we read in Scripture, that before the foundation of this world was even laid, you knew everything that was going to go down, which means you knew sin was going to come in the world. You knew how sin was going to be so destructive, and you also knew that it was going to cost you something dear to restore our relationship with you and instead of turning away from that even in our lives even after we receive you within our lives and we struggle out of our humanity and our flesh takes over at times you still love us you still forgive us how we can't leave this room and go out into a world praising you and penetrating the darkness with the hope of your glory I pray that our lives would just be reconfirmed, recommitted here, renewed, refreshed as we think about you living inside of us. And may we continually, day after day, become less and less and less, and you become more and more and more. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name, that we bring glory and praise and honor to you and ask these things. Amen and amen.